Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 152. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, James R. Miller. James, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm always feeling unstoppable, yes, brother. Yes, sir. That's what I like to hear. All right. James has been working in the restaurant industry for over 24 years. He's worked in both independent and franchise operations. Today, when he's not at his restaurants, he's hosting Run It Right Podcasts. The Run It Right Podcast will entertain and inform you with news, interviews, opinions, and comedy segments, mostly about the restaurant industry. James, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you're all about. Um, I'm going to pass it over to you now to, to give us the big picture about who you are and what you're all about. But before you do, let's get that inspirational, motivational ball rolling with a success quote. What do you have for us today? You know, I was thinking about this. I Actually, on my way home from work, I was listening. And I think it might have been your most recent episode or at least the most recent one I have. And I was just kicking this around thinking, what am I going to talk about with this part of the show? And the, uh, the quote, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, popped in my head. And I want to call BS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I do. I'm a little bit contrarian. Um, it's kind of true, but uh, anybody that's worked in this business knows a little bit better. And it is, it is absolutely something you got to love and you got to be into it. And... You know, you there will be days where you will work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so For that sure. <laughs> there's a quote. I'm, I went the other direction. There's a quote that doesn't always apply, uh, and I just think I think it's a great motivational quote, and I love the idea behind it. But in uh, in in reality, which is where I like to live. Um, there's going to be days that are hard, but yeah. you just got to keep on keeping on. <laughs> I think the goal is to work as little as possible or as hard as, like, you know, like you're going to work a lot. But if you do things right, you can definitely minimize the impact. Uh, if you set up your systems, your pop, you know, if you train people, if you get, if you delegate and you, you know, develop those people, it doesn't have to be so bad. And I think we'll learn probably a little bit about that today talking to you. So before we dive into learning more about you, um, your if factors, let's find out like what made you decide that this was going to be a career for you at what point did you say to yourself this isn't a job this is my career like when did you make that turn well that's a great a great thing um when i look back i as a teenager said i would never work in the restaurant business not that i was like stuck up and i'm not gonna yeah (laughs) i know never say never uh i never said i'd be married and i never said i'd be in the restaurant business and here i am uh so it started with, you know, that's just not something I want to do. I, I really thought I wanted to be an engineer. Um, and I did one semester of engineering and said, this is stupid. Um, it wasn't that I couldn't do the work. It just seemed incredibly boring. And uh, so I, I jumped, dumped engineering, went off to another college, wasn't really decided. Uh, my dad got sick. I wasn't able to finish college. He was helping me pay for it. And I was working part-time at Wendy's is like a grill guy just on mm-hmm. breaks in summer times. 
And then I was also, when I wasn't able to go to college, I got another job doing telemarketing. This is in the 90s when people actually answered their phones before caller ID. (laughs) Uh, And so I was working at Wendy's, and I would leave there. I'd go there and open, work till 2, go to the telemarketing place, work 4 to 11. And then on my days off, my friend was an insurance agent, and I would do somewhat like telemarketing for him, just cold calling people, setting up appointments and stuff like that. So I'm basically working three jobs. And... The owner of Wendy's, the, the Wendy's that I worked for, found out I was doing that. He pulled me aside. He says, why don't you just apply all that energy to this, and I'll make you a manager. Mm. And I said, okay, cool. And it came with a decent pay increase and responsibilities and stuff like that. And even then wasn't the time where I decided it was a career move. It was what I was going to do. And that was a few years down the road where I realized, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this. I have outlasted most of the pe- most of my peers and I have just ran through the ranks quickly, and I decided I'm just going to – I have the uh, I have the skills, I have the ability, I like the job. I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to be freaking good at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's where – that's kind of how that went along. I love how you mentioned you wanted to be an engineer. And one of the things I say all the time is this industry, you know, you don't choose it. It chooses you. <laughs> um, and it's funny, though, because I think you probably get – being a restaurant owner, you probably get to experience – and uh, use some engineer. Uh, you, you have to get creative. Things break. Like you have to be a jack of all trades. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, hey man, it wasn't a complete loss, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> but uh, also, I mean, how much of an impact would you say your experience in a franchise has influenced your success today? Oh, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the systems, the ability to implement systems, and the ability the ability to create systems of systems mm-hmm. uh, has helped tremendously in the independent restaurants that I run now. I, I had to write you know, the handbooks. I had to write the procedures, uh, all that stuff. We, we bought a coffee shop and there was no, there was like recipe books and things like that, but there was no procedure. There was no handbook. There mm-hmm. was nothing. Uh, and then we started a uh, self-serve yogurt, frozen yogurt shop from scratch, mm. from the ground up, no franchise, no nothing. We just decided we were going to do it on our own. So I literally wrote the book on that. Mm. And having the experience coming from a big, successful franchise, I was able to just model things off of that change the things I didn't like, add things that I wanted, and uh, it's been a tremendous help. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things, like, I, I'm very transparent about my very not excitement <laughs> for the, the franchise and corporate world, but that said, we can learn so much because they do so many things right when it comes to operations. Absolutely. And I think, you know, somebody who's really serious about, like, getting into the restaurant industry, they have the passion for the food, the desire to please, and it's all there. Go work a year or two at a franchise or a corporation and just learn and absorb everything they do and apply those things to your restaurant and you'll have 10 times better success rate. Um, And, I mean, with that, let's talk a little bit more about you and your it factors, James. Like, what would you say, if you could narrow it down to, like, one or two or maybe three uh, characteristics or habits you possess that you think most contribute to your success? Um, one thing that drove my, my first boss crazy is that I am incredibly laid back. Uh, he was very intense. Uh, I am not. And I think that has been a huge success for me because I've been able to hang back and watch people and figure out how they do things, adapt the things I love, drop the things I don't. And 
most of the time that was my boss and I just waited for them to burn out because they were crazy, intense people like the owner. Mm-hmm. And you can't keep that energy, uh, that, that Gordon Ramsay on camera screaming, hollering, Madam throwing stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that guy, but I just got to believe he's not always like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's the show. And, uh, I just, I've just always been pretty chill, and that has worked out tremendously well. Um, another thing is, uh, I just, I like to give people a chance. Mm-hmm. I, throughout my career, I have been the coach of the Bad News Bears a hundred times. Uh, they send me. We have a store that's failing. James, go see what you can do. And I will go there with the biggest ragtag crew, and I will make it successful and profitable. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter to me. I don't need the uh, the top level chef. I don't need the most high power manager. I just need people who you know give a shit and are going to come to work and will listen. If if I have that, you know, we can we can train the 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 talent into you, the skills into you. If you just care and are mm-hmm. willing to come in here and, and try real hard, I'll make this thing profitable with a bunch of people like that. Awesome, man! I love it. Um, so far, I have laid back, um, give people a chance. And uh, is there anything else you want to add before we move on? Um, I'm just pretty resilient, man. I I've been in some messes where <laughs> people were dropping like flies, and I can just I can just step back from a situation and relax and, and see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something my my boss now, you know, he says, you know, I can have the world falling down around me, and I just keep the same even keel and just say, okay, here's what we need to do to get through this and uh, just move on. I I rarely lose my cool and when i do it's not pretty yeah you know it's funny you say that i mean one of the the uh one of my i think one of my strengths are i mean this isn't about me it's about you but i can resonate with what you're saying because i'm really good at looking at situations and visioning outcomes like this is plan b or option b or option a rather Uh, we can do this but this is what's going to happen or we can try this this is what's going to happen this is plan b and there's plan c and like Figuring out real quick, like what the the long like outcome is going to be, and that's something that I don't hear often on the show as strengths. And I think you know that that last you know, resilience and ability to think on your feet and to plan and to not get freaked out when shit does hit the fan because it's going to. But you know what? You can't do anything about it. Once the shit hits the fan, the shit's everywhere, and you just got to deal with it. So you got <laughs> to keep moving, and now, sometimes. Sometimes you just got to sometimes you got to surrender to the fact that <laughs> yeah. this sucks yeah. and there's and it's going to suck until it's over and we got to pick up and hope tomorrow's better and make a plan to make tomorrow better. We can't yeah, just hope. Exactly, but at know? the same time, so many people they get caught up on the past, man. When it happens, it happens. You can't do anything about it. Look to the future. Look to what can I do now? What are my options? Let's put a plan into play. And it always happens in the middle of a dinner rush. Something happens, don't bitch about it. Just Move on. Yeah, just keep on thing. Keep Um, on trucking. You can't you can't stew on things. And one thing I tell my managers all the time, make a full speed mistake. Like I would rather you call me and say, Hey, this is what happened and I made a I I made a decision and I screwed it up rather than call me in the middle of a shitstorm and say, What do I do? You know You know (laughs) that doesn't work. Like in when when it does hit the fan and you have no like you're kind of up, you know, the creek without a paddle. Um 
the best thing you can do is just smile to everybody on your team. Like, well, <laughs> yep. because that smile, knowing that, you know, yeah, this sucks, but as soon as you let it take over your emotions and you start getting angry, those bad situations multiply because now you have a bad situation and bad attitudes, and those attitudes are what people are going to pick up on in your dining room. They're Absolutely. not going to know that shit hit the fan. To them, it's just another night. But when you come out with sweat pouring down your face <laughs> and you have that oh shit look in your face, they, they're going to pick up on that, and that's going to go into their experience and you just need to smile but hey guys you know what just have the fun it'll be over in two hours let's just get through this yeah um all right man i'll talk all day this is meant to be <laughs> this is your time to shine um so now we got your if factors take us through a time now share a story james where one of these if factors whether it be your laid-back attitude uh giving people a chance uh your resilience or just your ability to you know work on the fly like you explained and take us through a story where this this if factor shine through and bring us to the moment hmm i wasn't expecting that question uh gosh you know this the thing is um when you're new in this business uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. Crazy things come up, and we could call them bad things or uh, or bad experiences. Or uh, you know, for example, I used to when I when I was first promoted to manager at Wendy's. You know, Wendy's has baked potatoes. It takes an hour to to make a baked potato, and I uh, I would just get. I would just not have enough. Like I was always running out of freaking baked potatoes. Mm -hmm. So the owner would come through the drive through pretty much every night and order a baked potato. And one night I was out Mm -hmm. the next night I was out the third (laughs) night I was out and I had, I had the headset on and he says, so uh, James is a pretty slow learner over the headset to everybody (laughs) (laughs) who had a headset on. And uh, yeah. And he gave me three chances. That's, that's a blessing. Um, But so that's not to say how terrible I am at making baked potatoes. The the point (laughs) is, uh, you know, over time I got better at that. I figured these things out. I never ran out of baked potatoes and I, and I never had too many, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a very, very specific and minute, uh, story. And it's, it's really kind of lame, but it's, but if you take that and apply it to anything, you're going to come up against hard things. You're going to come up against things that you're just not good at projecting baked potatoes, running food cost, writing a schedule correctly, whatever it is. If you learn from it, don't be James is a slow learner. Don't, don't get burnt three mm-hmm. nights in a row when you know you're being checked on. Take responsibility for the fact that you screwed up. Learn how to not make it happen tomorrow or next week or whatever the situation is. And just apply what you've learned and get better. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you have to do is just when you're in an experience, just don't let that experience come and go. Mm-hmm. If you If you screwed up, you really need to internalize it to the degree that you learn something from it. Don't internalize it to the degree that you stress over it and it's going to cause you to be be up all night and that kind of stuff. But actually do stand back and say, okay, what are the things that led up to this screw up? What can I do next time to do better? Because one thing I've learned in this business and basically in life in general is there's just a cycle. There's a rhythm. Things come up again and again and again, and you have to be just prepared and you can make those things either easy or hard. If you learn the next time you see that situation, you know exactly how to handle it and and you move on. And that's not hard anymore, but life or the restaurant business is going to throw you something harder and you have to take your accumulated knowledge and 
and figure out how yeah. to get through that thing and apply it to the new thing. Absolutely. Like, if you're not paying attention, this is the hardest business in the world. But if you just freaking pay attention just a little bit, this is the easiest yep. business in the world. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, my, one of my favorite sayings is just fail forward. There's no mm. such thing as failure. If you're failing forward, if you're taking something from that experience and saying, you know what? This is what I learned next time around. We are going to do it just this much better now because now we learned. And you can take that philosophy and blow it up and you know, use it and apply it to the biggest hurdles in life. You know, if you're even if you're starting a restaurant and you fail, well, don't let that stop you. Just learn. Like this is what we did wrong. And the next time out, if we can get a loan, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna do it again, and we're gonna do it this much better. Um, so great stuff. I love it. And on that topic of failures, um, take us through another failure now the next question i ask is on that topic of failures like so yeah take us on a journey a story like you just did where one of these failures you had really just helped you get to the next level and tell us what that lesson was from the failure okay so this is about the same time i was a new general manager i uh i inherited this store and this store was it was old it was run down and when you get that situation you kind of like Here's, here's a little tip for people that run restaurants. If your restaurant looks like hell, that's the kind of person you're going to attract. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to be looking at the physical appearance of your restaurant, and that's hard mm-hmm. uh, because you're there every day. But So this was an old store. Uh, the crew was kind of set in their ways and just kind of crusty, and we had some sketchy people. And all of a sudden... After I'd promoted this one girl to manager, we just had an intense food cost problem. We do a weekly food cost percentage, and all of a sudden it just spiked, and I could not track it down. I was a new manager. I didn't know how to how to track these things down. I was doing all the things my district manager was telling me to do, and we still just couldn't track it down. Well, turns out later that uh, this girl was was stealing. Like she had, she was stealing food. Like. The only reason we found it was another manager, uh, his parents were crazy and kicked him out of the house. He he was a good guy, but his Mm -hmm. parents were just whack jobs. And uh, he went to live with this girl, stay with her family uh, temporarily. And he says when he he walked in, there was just uh, bags of grilled chicken in their freezer and bags of French fries and meat patties. And, like, we found out that our food cost problem was because this chick was stealing. Mm -hmm. Now... If I had better guidance and if I had been in the business longer, I would have caught that immediately. I thought I was doing all the things I needed to do. Uh, So that comes back to systems. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the systems in place to, to find those things. And this is a drum that I beat all the time because even in the franchise group that I'm in, uh, there are guys, owners, who almost take pride in the fact that they don't calculate their food cost on a weekly basis. Hmm. Like, they're just like, ah, we got money in the bank. I'm like, that is just ridiculous. If somebody's stealing from you, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You will you will not know. You will never know. So my failure was partially my failure because I was new and didn't know what to do. But there was also the failure of the people above me at that time. Weren't They weren't able to teach because the systems just weren't in place mm-hmm. to, to do that. So... Uh, I've come into similar situations like that in the future from then, you know, and uh, was able to track it down relatively quickly. And in those situations, um, I never really caught the person 
specifically, but I got them to stop, mm-hmm. and then they will eventually quit. That's, and I'll, I'll funny, give you a tip. I was going to ask, yeah, what did you do with this person? Well, she got fired, and then <laughs> and then uh, I recently <laughs> saw her running a gas station that I stop Uh-oh. at. Did you talk and to then the owner afterwards? <laughs> I did. I, no, no, they're on their own. They need to figure this shit out for themselves. Uh, <laughs> but I did find out a few months later that she was fired for the same kind oh, of stuff, really? and that was twenty years ago. She's still a thief. Uh, so, but to to correct the problem, I. Uh, Later on, when I ran into this problem before, and I just knew because of the pattern that this was somebody stealing, I knew that I wasn't going to to probably be able to pin it down to who mm-hmm. specifically, but I was able to, to pin down exactly what was missing beyond typical waste. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got real creative. I posted a sign, and it said, wanted, we have a thief. And I said, free food for a month to anybody who finds my thief. These are the things that are missing. So here's what they like to eat. You know, and I put up the <laughs> list of, for this week, this is what they stole. Boom, 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 boom. And then the next week, this is what they stole. And it eventually just went away. Yeah, my food, like they're my, on to me. <laughs> yeah, my food cost came. I, you just call out so your thief. That was your system, to call it out. <laughs> Yeah, just wow. call and and I've done that probably three times in my career where I just knew somebody was stealing. I couldn't pin it down to the thing, but I could pin down what they were taking. Yeah, if you know you got the heat on you, man, you uh, you straighten yeah. up fast. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So awesome. That's a great lesson, man. Thank you for sharing that. I would never have thought of that. So if you guys at home, if you're in the operation, like you you have this issue, you know someone's stealing, you don't know from where. That's a great solution, a great system you can implement in your business today. Awesome stuff. So James, we've bust through the first half of this interview you've given us some great stories some great takeaways awesome lessons now you're just going to blow us away with little bombs of knowledge are you ready to do this i am and uh i was thinking about the knowledge bombs and i have to quote a great american philosopher before we dive into this can i do do that the philosopher is uh everlast (laughs) and uh, he says uh word to your moms i came to drop bombs (laughs) i got more hits than madonna's got songs so let's so let's move on let's do it let me uh let me open another one james and i have this thing like he's like my guest he has his podcast he always does a beer review in the beginning he usually has a drink with his listener or his uh his interviewee uh is that correct Yes. So I need to honor that, and I need to open my second one right now. Uh, all right, let's 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 get ready to blow some people away, James. Um, the first question I have for you is what is your advice for getting that initial capital when getting started you know, to fund that first restaurant? That That is a great question. And there's let me give you a couple different ways I've seen it done. Uh, the guy I worked for at Wendy's was a uh, – he started with Wendy's back in the day, early in the day. I think Wendy's opened in 67, and he was there in the early 70s. And he worked his way up through the ranks very quickly. Things were moving very fast. And he uh, worked for Wendy's corporate and then eventually went to work for a very large franchisee, got fired, uh, and then they sold him two stores on the way out the door. And he was able to finance it through uh, a father who was a doctor and a brother who was a lawyer and another guy who was like a financial advisor. And uh, so other people's money, mm-hmm. the, the Robert Kiyosaki method, the OPM, you know, other people's money. Uh, so that's one way to do it. Um, the guy I work with now, uh, he is, you could call him a serial entrepreneur. He started with a small like sign business. He would, he would come to your restaurant and mm-hmm. build you a sign, custom neon or just a big sign on a pole or 
a small neon sign, anything. He started with a sign business, worked that up, sold it, then started doing uh, like a mobile dent business. He would go to car lots and uh, like come and pop the dents out after a hailstorm mm-hmm. and just make mad cash. Well, he sold that business and then bought his first pizza shop with the proceeds from that. So you could you could scale your way up that way and not have to involve other people. Mm-hmm. So he bought his first pizza shop that way. Second pizza shop was on a a very creative note between the owner and himself and some some bank involvement. And then the coffee shop, um, he was able to just go buy you know borrow money from the bank. And then we actually bought the coffee shop in order to open the yogurt shop. The whole we had no intentions of running a coffee shop. Uh, it's actually very successful and we love it. Uh, but he borrowed money from the bank to do that, and then was able to do the the yogurt shop basically on credit cards on the cheap on a shoestring. Wow. And uh, so there's a number of different ways that I personally have seen it done. Mm-hmm. So uh, friends and family, yeah, work your way up as a serial entrepreneur, selling things and scaling up to get to the thing you want. Banks, yeah. all that, that was stuff. the biggest takeaway for me, James, is the scaling. I think so many times people have this vision in their head. When they're getting started and they try to go for that vision right away, just get a minimal viable product. Get your most basic minimal concept up and going and work your way towards that ultimate goal. If you start off too big, it's going to be so hard to get going and you can just start small and scale and then sell that first company and work towards that dream restaurant. But don't go, you know, you know <laughs> like... You're going to increase your rate of failure if you try to go too big too soon. I think that scaling advice is awesome. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. The, yeah. the The idea of just going going big, unless you're in a giant market and you've got a proven thing, don't don't even try. It's it. good to have those dreams, but don't go shooting for it out of the gates. <laughs> like yes. build up those assets and you know work your way there for sure. All right, the next question I have for you is on your advice for hiring. What are you looking for? What questions are you asking? Where are you looking? Hiring is is a challenge in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, the number is if you are a restaurant and you have a hundred and ten percent turnover in a year, that's a good number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like that that's that was our target number at Wendy's was one hundred and ten percent. And there's a formula. It doesn't mean everybody left plus plus ten percent. It just means by sheer numbers of people you had at this point in time, twelve months from now. You do you do a formula and you've you've turned over 100 um, percent. So the other thing is with management, the typical manager, if they're talented, you can count on about 18 months to two years mm-hmm. of of having them around. So you have to be very careful in hiring, but you also have to staff. This is a hard business to staff. And in some ways, it's an easy business to staff. It's like I, I, I live in this world of yin and yang, like where mm-hmm. it's just constant flow. And so as far as hiring, I try to – it's nice. You know, I could be like a lot of guys and sit here and be like, you know, hire slow and fire fast mm-hmm. and and look for talent and, and uh, you know, and all, this, all this nonsense that, that these people spew. But the fact is sometimes you need to hire three people and – you just got to stick a mirror under their nose, and if they fog it, they're in. And <laughs> but but then but then you have to sort them out after that. You know what I mean? Like it's been my experience that it's, it's about a five to one ratio. Mm-hmm. Just about every if you hire five people, about one of them is is going to be there a year from now and is going to do a really good job for you. Yeah. So 
you just have to know that going in. You have to accept that going in. But but the fire fast, I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you. My old boss was very concerned about paying unemployment and all this kind of stuff. And it's like it's like he didn't realize that if we fired them within the first thirty or sixty days, the unemployment we would have to pay them would be minimal. Yeah. You know. So the guy I work with now, it, he's just like, if they're no good, get rid of them. If you if you figured out that they're gone, they're they're bad. Just get them out of here. Yeah. Maybe and, we should change it to hire fast, fire fast. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to. If I'm in a position where I can I can hire slow, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, things I've I've rec- especially in this business, you're hiring a lot of kids, college kids, that kind of thing. At least for like crew member level stuff. Mm-hmm. So I look for band kids. I look for um, like athletes. kids that are well, some athletes. I've not had luck with football players. I've had great luck with wrestlers. Mm. Um, but band kids are awesome. They're super disciplined. Uh, they're usually pretty smart. Um, Especially had, those marching band kids because they know yeah, what it's like. To yeah, <laughs> they know what it's like to work. My yeah. daughter was in marching band forever, and, and it, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. But I've had tons of luck with those kids. Um, you know, I'm looking for people that have been involved in thing. FFA in my this is a very rural area, so I just hired a girl that was the president of the FFA, and she's a beast is that like future sh- farmers of america yes okay. yes she's just an animal like she came in and she's the manager like <laughs> it's awesome nice. and and uh and talk to people in interviews and the thing i like to do is like i know the culture of my restaurants mm-hmm. and i think is does this piss does this person fit mm-hmm. what and i and i like to think I like to think i'm as wanting to be an engineer i'm kind of a numbers guy I think like okay, if the average of the store is you know let's just say it's five, what is this person? What do they do to my average? Are they a three? Are they a six? Are they a seven? And I try to I try to up the average every time I hire. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think we talked about it when we spoke a couple a week or so ago. Um, I recently had a situation where I finally had enough of this one girl. She was just a cancer in my store, mm-hmm. and. Um, we just had kind of not a great crew. They were people that seemed great. And once we let her go, the rest of them left. We've hired a whole, almost a whole new staff in the last 30 to 45 days, and it's a whole different store. Awesome. Like, I just had to kick the lead domino. The rest of them fell. And we just have a whole new world going on. My general manager came to me the other day and was like, man, this is just, it's like a whole different store. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I, I told you, we, we had to figure out where the cancer was and get rid of it. And we did it. And you just can't be afraid of getting rid of bad people. No. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I mean, I think we're kind of uh, leading into the next question now, which is when you find these great people, what do you do to keep them on your team? You kind of already alluded that you, you know, remove the ones that are the cancer. But what else will you do to keep these people? You mentioned quickly culture, like take it. Um, So what I try to do with culture is I try to just get people interested in, in what we're doing. Uh, I try to make people understand one conversation I have with everybody that works for me at some point is I will I'll be off to the side as a uh, a customer is paying the bill and there's another employee standing there collecting the money and I'll grab a person and I'll be like see that see that money getting handed over right there that part of that is your paycheck that's where your paycheck comes from those people out there in the dining room they bring money and then it goes on to the owner, and then he writes you a check. There's no magic. There's no magic money tree out back that we write paychecks off of. Mm-hmm. 
So you have to take care of those people out there, and they will continue to bring the money that becomes your paycheck. Like I just really need people to understand that, mm-hmm. and I, I want them to understand that something – another thing I've been thinking about probably for the last year is think about um, one of your friends calls you up and says, hey, Eric, let's get together for lunch. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? Where do I want to go? Yeah. So, I mean, something <laughs> something probably came to mind, right? Whether it's a coffee shop down the street or you have a favorite restaurant and you want to – or you have a place you want to show a guy. Mm-hmm. It's a friend you haven't seen forever. He's not really from the area. I'm sure there's some place you'd like to take him, right? Yeah. Let's go to uh, Moxie in Portsmouth. Yeah. So <laughs> why? It's a great experience. People are knowledgeable about their food. They'll tell you if you ask any question, they have an answer, and they care. And every person that comes into my restaurant – if they came with somebody else, they had some version of that conversation before they got there, mm-hmm. especially if they came separately. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's people that work together at, at an office and they're getting ready to go on their lunch break, where do you want to go? And they decided to come here. Like, that's really a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I need you to really take care of them because they chose to come here. How many places did they drive past before they came here? Mm-hmm. How many places did they eliminate? Did they have the conversation of that, that I have with my wife every time we want to go somewhere? Where do you want to go? And I throw out a place. No, I don't want to go there. And I throw out another place. Nah, I don't really want to go there. I throw out a third place. Yeah, let's go there. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Every man who's ever been in a relationship has had that conversation. Yeah. I don't know. What are you hungry for? You know, I'm not hungry for anything. I'm just hungry. Just tell me where to go. I'll find something to eat. <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> you know, but you have these it's, – it's people – like restaurants are just awesome things. There are these communal places where people come to meet and eat and talk and catch up. And they chose to come to our place. They chose to come to our coffee shop or they were walking through our little touristy town of Berlin, Ohio, and they saw our yogurt shop and they're like, oh, yogurt shops are cool. Let's go in there. You know, there was this group decision to come to this place and give us their hard earned dollars. We have to prove to them that we deserve them and then they will come back. Mm. Like, and that's been my, my pitch for the last year. Or so every meeting I have, I bring that up in some form is like these people chose to come here. We can't look at the mob that came in as a group. We have to look at each individual group of people, mm-hmm. one or two or four or six or 10, whatever it is, they made a decision to come here and give us their money. And we need to respect that and treat them right. You fired up, man. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that stuff. That one gets me like <laughs> that one just gets me. Yeah, I can tell. So. Let's move on, and the next question I have for you, James, is, I mean, I can tell you're, you know your stuff, you've done your research, you've, I'm sure you've read a book or two. What are, like, a couple books, if you can limit it down, just, just a few, that are must-reads for people in this industry? If, you, if you're looking to get in this industry, if you're just looking to improve upon yourself, where would you send them? One of the first books I ever read in that vein was Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. It's a great book, and I go back to it every now and then. I, I highly recommend that one. Um, I, mean, you know, I hate to interrupt, but I no, did an episode dedicated to those seven habits. Uh, I'll link it to it in the show notes. Yeah, that's a that's a great book, and uh, you know, uh, he's he's gone now. But man, what a what a great guy! What a great thinker! And what oh, yeah. what he what he did was take other people's ideas and break them down to digestible mm-hmm. uh, pieces and, and shared them. A, a great guy, and. Um, if you have the desire to open a restaurant and you have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, I highly recommend uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, that one will make you want I actually saw a lady read that book, quit her job, and fail miserably. But <laughs> but it will make you want to uh, just quit your job and go be an entrepreneur. You know, but for me, like the biggest lesson I, – I read that book. The biggest lesson for me in that book was the difference between assets and liabilities. Yes. Um, and that alone was just like the light got turned on. I mean I have – I love my parents. Don't get me wrong. But they – weren't the best at teaching me about financials. And if you were somebody like me who had incredible, loving, caring parents but aren't the most financially successful, then that's a great book to kind of get you caught up. Um, and just that exp- explanation between, you know, uh, like I said, uh, liabilities and assets just made me look at the world differently. He just gives you a complete 180 look at everything. Yeah. It's it, it's a refreshing thing, It's and it's one of those books I go back to, like like Seven Habits. Uh, but right now, I'm reading two books by uh, Jim Sullivan. Mm-hmm. He's a restaurant guy. Uh, there's a book called Multi-Unit Leadership. I'm actually going through that with one of my um, with one of my managers right now. He is probably going to take my position at some point. And uh, I'm kind of taking him through that. It, it's like a structured way to understand how to manage people and how to manage more than one restaurant. And it's specific to restaurant. There's oh, a ton really? of there's a ton of restaurants. Uh, they, they he teamed up with a college and did a ton of research. Multi unit leadership by Jim Sullivan. And then there's all he also has another book called Service That Sells. And it's basically the you know the fact that we're all in sales and. Uh, that's a book that just gets you super excited, makes you want to go try new things in your restaurant. It, it, every chapter is like, oh, I got to tr- figure out a way to implement that. And uh, super exciting stuff. So those four books, uh, if anybody, you would do very well if you read those and applied anything out of each book. I'm going to chase down Jim Sullivan after this interview because I think that's the second time he's been mentioned on the show. And I think I heard that book once before the multi-unit leadership. Uh, it might have actually been through you <laughs> and um, <laughs> Service to Sell. Yeah, those are two books uh, worth I need to check out. And then, yes, Guy uh, Kiyosaki or uh, – No, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, yeah Robert Kiyosaki and um, Stephen Covey's books. Awesome. I have read those. Great recommendations. I'll have links in the show notes. So let's talk a little bit about marketing. I mean if you can just drop one bit of marketing advice on us, what would it be? I, I got to tell you, um, if you're not – doing Facebook ads for your restaurant, you're completely missing the boat. Mm-hmm. It is the the cheapest, most effective thing I've ever seen. Super targeted. Like literally, like oh, you can literally take like, a picture of your target, like your perfect client, your avatar of who you're looking it's, to put in front of. It's creepy. Oh yeah. It's, it's scary. creep creepy level of demographics. I haven't I, done it, but I've looked into it. Um I've and, done it and it works, dude. Like let me tell you, the first time I ever did it, I, I was listening to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. He's a maniac. Love that guy. Oh, there's some more books. Every book Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> ever read, wrote. Uh, read, read those. Crush It, Thank You, Economy, and Jab, 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 Right Hook. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say if you only read one, read Jab, 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 Right Hook if you're going to do social media. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like something like 40 or 50 case studies that he specifically did on companies that either got it right or got it wrong on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, on so-and-so. Um, but anyway, um, let me relate a story of the first time I ran a Facebook ad. I did it for the yogurt shop. I had just got done listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. I went to Jeff, the guy I worked for, and said, hey, uh, give me 25 to 50 bucks. I'm going to test this a theory here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had a special... We did a uh, $5 fill-up. It's a 
the yogurt places are by the ounce. You know, you come in, you make your own, we weigh it, and it goes by the ounce. So we said for five bucks, if you want to get twelve dollars worth of yogurt, you're we're only going to charge you for five. Mm-hmm. So it's a five dollar fill up, and. I ran a Facebook ad. I was able to target, okay, we're in Berlin, Ohio. I said, okay, Berlin, Berlin, Ohio, uh, a 10-mile radius around Berlin. I want females, uh, I think it was like 16 to 45 because that's our demographic on our Facebook page. If you have a Facebook page, the insights tell you how old these people are, where they live, what, they, what language they speak, all kinds of stuff. So that was our demographic, female, 16 to 45. Uh, above average spender, you're able to do that because Facebook collects credit card data from certain credit cards. Above average spender, and you can go, the last thing they purchased was children's snacks. Wow. How, how creepy is so that? Creepy. It's crazy. But I ran that ad. I put $25 on it. I, I, I got permission to do 50 I did 25 I ran it for three days prior to the special. The special was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Compared sales from the previous Wednesday, we were up, gosh, it was a stupid amount. It was close to 100%. Wow. For a $25 ad, you can't get a $25 ad in the newspaper. You can't get a $25 ad on the radio, and you certainly can't get a $25 ad on the TV, and it's not going to matter if you did. <laughs> and it's going to hit somebody in the forehead. That's, yeah. It's like so targeted. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. So yeah. since then, I have, I have used Facebook ads for with tremendous success for the coffee shop and the yogurt shop specifically. We don't have Facebook pages for the pizza shops mm-hmm. because they're franchises, and uh, that's, that's kind of a gray area. Mm-hmm. Uh, our franchise group allows us to, but I just, I just haven't done it. I've got enough to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Facebook ads, if you are not using them, uh, you know, if you are using them and you're not having any luck, hit me up. James at runitright.org. That's the email. I will freaking help you. Yeah, you know? beautiful. Can you, like, on that subject, can you, like, give us any other resources, like, that you looked at to learn how to do that well? That was, uh, the idea for doing that was from Gary Vaynerchuk, probably from his show. He has the Ask Gary V show. Okay. It's a, it's a podcast and a YouTube show. I do the podcast because I drive a lot. And uh, he's talk- they, he calls them Facebook dark posts, okay. but they're Facebook unpublished posts. And what that means is a person doesn't have to be – they don't have to have had to like your page or be a friend of your page, and you can still get the ad in front oh, of wow. them. Crazy. Yeah, that's, that's the awesome thing about it is you have to get to either 50 or 100 people to like your page. And once you get to that threshold – I forget which one it is, 50 or 100 uh, – then you can start running ads. Okay, beautiful. And the ad- and the ads are cheap. Like I said, I, I don't spend more than $25 an ad. I don't run them more than three or four days prior to the thing I'm trying to drive people to. Mm-hmm. And I have tremendous success. I have the sales numbers to show that if I did the special on Thursday, I can compare it to the previous Thursday. It's always a minimum 20% boost over the previous week. Wow. It's just it's ridiculous. Awesome. Like, yeah, we got to move on to the next question. We're running short on time, but uh, awesome. I'll link to those resources. Gary Vanichek, uh great knowledgeable stuff there. His podcast, I'll have that in the show notes. But on the topic of technology, we're kind of there right now. But let's go a little bit further into technology. Front of house, back of house, do you know of any technologies or are you using any technologies that you can swear by uh, that you can leverage to you know improve systems, processes, procedures, uh, overall effective efficiency and profit we are not using any specific technologies. If you're if you're thinking of things like OpenTable or No Wait or uh, or even Hot Schedules or any of that stuff, we're not doing any of that. Okay. Um, 
it's just not – it doesn't fit with where we are. We're in the heart of Amish country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the biggest Amish population in the United States for sure, maybe one of the top in the world. So technology isn't so great uh, for us. And we don't have a situation where we need reservations or we don't go on waits and things mm-hmm. like that. We have gigantic dining rooms. <laughs> uh, so we don't, uh, we don't get into that situation much. The, the technology I use most is the Excel spreadsheet. And uh, it's for food cost calculation, labor calculation, labor calculations, um, just in anything else I can think of because I just freaking geek out on Excel mm. spreadsheets. <laughs> so, <laughs> Awesome, man. Great stuff. Thank you. So um, if you could go back in time to like when you were, I don't know, pick a time when you were lost and confused in your career. Pick it. <laughs> oh, when in my 20s, when, when I was new at this. If you could go back in time to when you're in your 20s, if you could give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? And, uh, you know, what would you say? What, what advice would you say to yourself? At that point, I was pretty scattered. You know, I, I was just trying to do too many things at once, and I would just say to focus on one thing and get good at it and then move on to the next thing. Mm. That, that's something I've adopted in my life now for the last five years. Every year I pick a thing that I just want to get good at it and i'd spend a year just drinking from the fire hose one year it was marketing one year it was uh you know like uh physical fitness and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and whatever it is just just commit some time and energy to getting better at whatever the thing is that you need to get better at Mm -hmm. and just do it and just just commit and stick with it yeah i'm a big fan of john lee dumas's entrepreneur on fire podcast and uh, you can tell if you listen to both, there's a lot of similarities between the yes. two. Um, but he always says, follow one course till success. And I think that's great advice. Uh, and that's the acronym he uses, FOCUS. FOCUS, yeah. Follow one course till success. Uh, and it's true. I mean, we, we always try to tackle so many things. We get halfway done and then we just quit. But let's like, follow that one course. Don't do anything else until you're good at that one thing. And now you have a new skill. But just follow that one course till success. Awesome stuff. Um James, is there one question I could have asked you that you think would have added more value to this interview? Not that I can think of off the top of my head, no. Um, you know, I just want to say, man, you are doing a great thing. Thank you. Uh, the The restaurant business needs needs what you're doing, and that is Thank why you. I started doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, there's a few other guys doing it, and uh, there are just not enough resources out there for mm-hmm. folks who are new to the business or new to management that want to learn and uh, – this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, anybody who's out there who wants to start a podcast, come talk to us. We'll help you because it's all about helping those people out there become more successful. That's why I'm doing it. I'm learning a lot as I go, too. So, I mean, it's a win-win uh, for everyone. But, uh, yeah, man, you've been great, I guess. Um, those are all the questions I have for you. We're going to wrap it up. But having you call somebody out, who's one indie restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great guest on the show? You know, I got to uh, I got to call out Jim Sullivan. You you threw it out there earlier, and I got to get him on my show too. And uh, I, let's let's have a race to Jim Sullivan. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> blindside you right after this. And <laughs> I got my phone in my head. I'm tweeting it right now. Uh, <laughs> oh man! All right, yeah, look up Jim Sullivan. I'm coming after you, and uh, maybe yeah, that'd be great. He uh, sounds like someone who's definitely gonna be. I gotta read his books first. I gotta make sure I read his books before I have him on as a guest. I don't sound like a knucklehead. All right. Um, beautiful. I mean, I guess just let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. Um, tell us, you know, give us a little pitch with your podcast. Tell people what they can expect if they, if they tune in, where they can find it, and what it's all about. 
So the Run It Right podcast, uh, you can find that at runitright.org. I'm on iTunes. Just type in Run It Right podcast. It'll come up. Uh, I've got 18, 19 episodes up. I try to... Uh, I try to have cool guests on. I have folks from the business, from outside of the business, folks that I know that are just successful at what they do and have things to share. Mm-hmm. I actually posted a podcast in a forum once, and a guy got on and said, I almost turned it off because because the guest was outside of the industry, but it was one of the best shows I ever listened to. And the guy was a CEO of a vinyl siding company. He happens to be a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And it was an is an exceptional show. So I don't limit myself to just restaurant people. I want people that are successful. And uh, success knows no limits. Everything is applicable across platforms. If, you're, if you can run a business selling hardware, you can, you can apply the same principles to a restaurant. You just got to hire somebody that can cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, success is success. It, it's the same thing. Work hard. Have systems. Get great people. Those are the things. So runitright.org check out the podcast if you want to hit me up james at runitright.org if you subscribe to my email list this is something for all the independent people out there i have created a very quick and easy inspection form mm. similar to what you would get if you work if you were uh, a franchisee at a wendy's or a mcdonald's or a chipotle where the corporate guy comes in and inspects your restaurant I've created a quick one that you can use for your own indie restaurant. If you sign up for my email list, I'll send you that for free. It's in an Excel spreadsheet form. And just just doing that will give you a reference point to make your place better and help you run it right. Awesome, man. Well, you have been an incredible guest. I'm so pumped I got you on the show. It was about time. I mean, there's no questioning, James. You are unstoppable. And you can help us all run it right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. Yeah. Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. James R. Miller from Run It Right Podcast. If you guys haven't checked that podcast out yet, please do. James knows his stuff. Great guy. Let's help him out. Let's get some downloads over there at Run It Right Podcast. And uh, just some great advice today. I mean, I really love his one piece of advice about you know his failure when he hired this woman uh, and she was stealing from right underneath him. Like, you can't pin it on somebody, but he created a system... Again, the power of systems, processes, procedures. He created that system, um, and that's something we can all take and implement it into our restaurants today. So I just really wanted to focus on that. One piece of advice that hasn't come up on the show yet. Um, There was tons of advice in the show, don't get me wrong, but that was one that just really resonated with me and one that I want to make sure you didn't miss. So like always, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'm always looking for new guests. If you can think of somebody who's an independent restaurant owner who just kills it in your community and knows his stuff and can share uh, some of his stories or her stories with us, their advice, I'm all for it. Uh, shoot me an email. I already said it. Uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, I'm out there. Uh, I guess that's all I have. Don't be afraid to check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and slash tools for a complete list of all the books and tools our past guests have read or used, which has contributed to their success. Uh, it's spelled out for you guys. I can't make it any easier. That's why I exist to put this all in one spot for you uh, to shine a light on the path of success. That's what Restaurant Unstoppable is all about.
about. So uh, don't wait any longer. Get on it. Put this advice to use. Uh, I guess that is all I have. I will shut up now. Until next time. Peace out.